Pulse 95 Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Centre Sharjah. This may sound repetitive, but what I usually say during these events is that my favourite part of it is meeting the incredible characters and personalities that come here at the, whether it's the Sharjah International Book Fair, the International Government Communication Forum, whatever event it is, here in Sharjah, I meet the most interesting people out there. And I do believe that our current guest, Neil Strauss, is quite interesting. And honestly, I, I'm not even going to give an introduction because actually I want to know if I were to describe you or if I'm going to say Neil Strauss and then Kalma, who are you? Like the, all these titles, because when I was reading about you, I was saying that he's an author, he's a podcaster, he's a columnist, he's this and this. But then again, you know yourself better. So if you were to describe yourself, who are you? True, it's a long list of titles and things I've done. Mm -hmm. And it changes a lot because I'm someone who just follows their curiosity, tries to learn something new, and then shares it with people if it's useful. So it's ranged from writing about music in the New York Times mm -hmm. and Rolling Stone to writing books about dating and relationships and the secrets to that mm -hmm. to a podcast where we found missing people in, in America. That, that is honestly just quite a repertoire because just thinking about it, there was a lot of jumping from one thing to another and I love the fact that you answered it as you just wanted to feed people's curiosity and that is an interesting way of, well, explaining and just going into that and what made you decide to feed people's curiosity was it something that you had when you were younger that you were just doing all kinds of things and you were interested in journalism and perhaps writing did you have a love for writing or just speaking to people and knowing people that's it i think it starts with feeding my curiosity mm -hmm. and and i love people i would rather be interviewing than being interviewed because <laughs> I, I learned so much we the more people we talk to, the more experiences we get to have, the more we grow as human beings. So, so if, if I can explore different worlds, different subcultures as a writer for Rolling Stone, talk to the most famous people in the world and see what makes them tick or how they think, mm -hmm. uh, I don't just get to share who they are with the world, but I get to take a piece of them and, uh, as almost as a mentor with me. So, I love that. And I think it's true that you can do one job your whole life, and maybe that's right for you, but for other people, uh, you're changing, you're growing, your passions change, and if you follow your excitement, you're probably making the right choice. And becoming a writer or a music critic for the Rolling Stones, and just af right after that, just delving into the world of music, did you expect yourself to jump into it, or was it just a something that just fell into your hands? No, it's a great, it's a great question. I recently found a essay I wrote when I was in school when I first learned to write, so I was about seven years old. Mm -hmm. And I said, when I want to grow up, when I grow up, I want to own a million books and I want to be a writer. And I want to ride a bike. <laughs> um, and and that, those, are, those are valid goals, yeah. honestly. Did you manage to write, ride a bike at least? Uh, yeah, the bike I'm working on, but the books mm -hmm. and, the writing, and the writing of the books I got down. So the little Neil within you is kind of very excited and He's very excited. happy. And He's I, th I think it comes from maybe feeling lonely and alienated in your household and no one understanding you. And then we're at the book fair and we're surrounded by books. Mm -hmm. So finding books and here's a world where you feel safe, where you learn, where you feel comfortable. And I think that that is my home growing up was inside of books. So getting to write them is like being at home. 
That is interesting thing that you just said that you felt alienated. Do you mind telling us more about that? Sure. Yeah. So I think it's just, and many people probably have this experience, especially I'd say this generation mm-hmm. here in the UAE is there's such a generation gap. Yeah. Right. True. Mm-hmm. Um, and so feeling like your needs are not your parents' needs. What mm-hmm. your parents want for you is not what you want for you. Uh, not feeling understood. Uh, feeling like they want to put you into a slot where you don't belong, mm-hmm. you know, and not being seen. So, so it was it was the books that gave me the freedom. And I remember my parents wanted me to go into business. And when I said I wanted to be a writer, they cut me off completely. Wow. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I had to make a living. I had to support myself. I had to pay for my school. And then as I became successful as a writer, of course, they were proud of me. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens. But I think there's a choice that everybody's faced with. Do you do what's expected of you? Or do you do what's what the life that's calling to you? Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. and I love how everything just slowly, bit by bit, fell into place, more or less, didn't yeah. it? And you have to—it's funny. I just was having dinner with some local friends who I met in this week at the book fair, mm-hmm. and everybody's going through their version of that. Maybe they met somebody they like that their parents don't approve of. Maybe mm-hmm. they—maybe it's a work choice that's not safe. And ultimately, you, and I don't know if it's an American way of thinking. You can tell me, but making that choice that feels right to you. Even if you fail and it doesn't work out, you know you did something true to yourself and can't regret it. I'd say it's more of, a, like you said, a generational thing yeah. because here, I, I don't want to say, I don't like using the word, um, actually I forgot the word, but the <laughs> word basically what I'm trying to get at is that we are, that we have those familiar ties and usually yes. they are, they come at the beginning, they come at the front. It's all about this cultural cohesion. Well, that is true as well and that might have impacted the past generations and there is also this idea and I'm pretty sure that even Americans and various cultures have gone through the same thing where people would just try to shrink themselves for just to make everybody else happy and content and to make sure that everything is going smoothly and do not ruin that, like I said, the social cohesion. But like you said, this new generation is a little bit more bolder in a way. They're trying to break through this and try to just this, um, let's say, this cultural nightmare in a way because it just has been passed on and on and on through your ancestors and you're just sitting there thinking, is that the right thing for me? Yes, it's a great and, and really seeing it here, I feel it is a bigger acceleration happening in one generation than I've seen anywhere else. It's interesting that you yeah. point that out, honestly, yeah. because I would have seen it as a generations like I said like all the millennials all around the world are kind of going through the same thing and Gen Z are even I believe Gen Z is even way ahead of us millennials they're quite fast they're very good at what they do and maybe that maybe the big switch think I'm thinking out loud as you're speaking Mm -hmm. great conversation by the way um, (laughs) is that we're changing from what what's everyone gonna think of me Mm -hmm. to what am I gonna think about myself true especially in the future when you look back at your life and you're thinking have I done everything that I wanted to do? Am I going to have regrets later on? And nobody wants to live with regrets. That's it. And if you weren't true to yourself and you live for other people's approval, maybe you didn't live your life. Absolutely. I love that very, very much. And this also brings me to the lives that you have experienced while talking to those big names. And I'm pretty sure the first time that happened, how did you feel about that? Okay, this is very funny. So mm-hmm. I started writing for Rolling Stone, which mm-hmm. is the Maybe probably the biggest music magazine in America yeah. and you interview the biggest artists and I was just 20 years old a kid and I interviewed these stars I looked up to mm-hmm. and I realized that they were just as insecure as me 
you know, and they wanted yeah. my approval just as much mm-hmm. as I wanted their approval. Mm-hmm. And, and so I really learned that fame and wealth, a lot of people that try to achieve those things thinking it's going to fix them and make them happy. Mm-hmm. And I learned that um, they, don't, they, don't, they don't fix you, they amplify what's wrong with you. So if you have a lot of fear and you become famous, you'll be way more fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're insecure, you'll be even more insecure standing on that bigger stage. Mm-hmm. And so I just found it, that, that it doesn't solve anything, those things. And I think what you're just telling me also reminded me of the children of stars, of well-established stars. They're having the same thoughts as well. They're saying that living in our parents' shadows or being on the spotlight all the time because of our parents, this is not something we chose or wanted to do. So it's causing like this insecurity is amplified and everything that we're going through is amplified because it becomes very difficult to live through that. And it's interesting you're saying that as just if you have issues, they're just going to become bigger yeah. under the spotlight. Yeah. I have a friend who has a theory that, that the moment you get famous is when your uh, development stops. Wow. So for, I remember like I've interviewed huge rock stars mm-hmm. who if you put them in the lobby of a hotel and said you're in room 304, could not find it from the lobby. Wow. Like facts. Like, it, like because just everyone's taking care of them and showing them where to be and what mm-hmm. to do and sort of enabling them. It's very interesting to see that world. That makes a lot of sense. And I've seen that as well as we cover many events. And even when you, now that we're seeing a lot more reality shows as well that tell us about the, what's happening in their lives. And then you see that, like you said, I don't want to say babied. That's just a little bit unfair. But it's right. somewhat to an extent that they're given everything that you kind of forget how to act and react to everything. Right. A question I always ask uh, musicians and celebrities that interview is, who tells you when you're wrong? Wow. And who tells them when, who, when they're wrong, usually? For some people, nobody. Wow. It depends on the person. Some people get rid of anyone who tells them they're wrong. True. They, I, I believe that even within... You, you know some people. <laughs> you can tell me afterward. I know who you're thinking of. Even, honestly, <laughs> even within like smaller things, whether it's yes. a manager, for example, you can t- usually tell if you, the manager is surrounded by yes men or yes women yeah. who are just telling them what they want to hear versus somebody who actually wants to grow. And it's interesting that you said that that kind of... They stop developing when they hit the height of their career and they just kind of stay stagnant in a yeah. way from what I understand yeah that's quite interesting if you're not open if you're not open to criticism it's hard it's interesting it's and I can speak for this for myself as an author that getting the first success is easier than getting the second wow because the first mm-hmm. your first book album project you've spent mm-hmm. your whole life developing mm-hmm. to say it does really well and then you have a year or two to develop the next one and you have a lot of fear, and you think what worked, what didn't work, and you can question yourself mm-hmm. out of your creativity. And now that you have actually ventured into different things and different arenas, probably also because you want to grow yourself, like you said, you have your own curiosity to feed. And I was actually listening to To Live and Die in LA. Oh my God, you listened to it? <laughs> I wow, listened to intense. it. it's intense. Yeah, I was like, interesting, because I love podcasts. And, and I, first of all, kudos to you i love the way that you were narrating it because it genuinely felt as if it's an audiobook in a way but it was a lot more enticing and i find it quite interesting that you said you usually don't do any investigative journalism you don't do any hard journalism and did you feel like it was your calling did you feel like it was a mission for you that when you heard the story of this young woman who is missing that you said I am compelled. I need to tell her. If nobody's going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it originally didn't, everything I've done, and especially this one, didn't start as a work project. Someone 
went missing in my neighborhood. A young 20-year-old went missing in my neighborhood in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And myself and the neighbors thought, well, this is our community. We have to do something to help. Mm -hmm. So we started helping. And while we're helping, we figured out who'd done it. Wow. And then I realized if I could tell the story as a podcast, I can get other people who witnessed it maybe, uh, get other information that could come in. And through the podcast, because it did so well, in the mm -hmm. very last episode, we got a tip from someone who the the uh, someone involved in the murder had confessed to somebody. And that person called in anonymously and said, I want to tell you what happened. Wow. And so the podcast literally solved the case. That is so, in, in a way, it's, I know it's a horrid event, horrid series of events, but it's just a beautiful way of seeing how a community, if somebody steps up or a couple people step up, everybody else will follow through as well. Yeah. And it's quite interesting that you actually decided to do it because when we think of hard journalism or any kind of investigative journalism, we think of print straight yeah. away. It's interesting that you went for a podcast. Was there a reason that you made this choice? It's the exact reason you said that a, a, a book or an article is static. You write it and it's done. Mm -hmm. Whereas a podcast over several episodes is ongoing so you can have a dialogue with the community mm -hmm. and uh, and engage them. And I knew if I made it big enough and popular enough, we'd you know expose what happened, help this person's memory live on, but also somebody with any case, right? Somebody knows something. True. And if you can help them feel safe telling you. So the person who called and gave us this information said, I don't trust the police. Uh, I don't trust private investigators, but I heard your voice. I feel like I can trust you. Mm -hmm. So. It just shows you that, again, it's all yeah. about trust that you build with your community. Yeah, exactly. And it will always reflect back to eventually. And I think that's the world we're in with social media and everything. The community now is doing more. The, uh, sometimes a journalist or especially a police department has their hands tied for what they can do, what they mm -hmm. can't do. And as someone who just cares, there's a lot you can do. And at the end of it, when you were done with the podcast and all the entire investigation, how did you feel? Scared. Wow. Because, because I mean, you're, 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 you don't have a gun like the police <laughs> and you're exposing a, a possible murderer who's still mm -hmm. out there, who in my case was threatening me. And so I had to go into hiding for a couple months. That's terrifying. Terrifying. I don't, it really took a big toll on everything. It was... I'm not surprised because I genuinely, generally, when my friends and I, we watch horror movies or something, and they tend to get scared of, let's say, nothing with ghosts or something paranormal. And I usually tell them that doesn't scare me. What scares me if it's about a murderer or a serial killer or a serial kidnapper who is not found, that scares me a lot more. Yeah, no, the scariest monster is people. Exactly. That is, it's funny that you're saying that because I was just watching Zodiac right before oh. I came in and I was halfway through it. I'm, I'm not done with it. And the entire story, they're saying that the Zodiac killer, according to the, to the movie, the, re the thing that he kept on saying is that the most dangerous animal is our people. You want to hear something crazy? Tell me about it. I had, I had, I haven't told anyone this. This is a Pulse 95 exclusive. But, <laughs> but, um, but I had somebody contact me literally last week saying they think their grandfather is a Zodiac killer. Oh my God. I'll show you the photos of the grandfather and the sketches after the show, but he was, yeah. I don't, uh, I, he may be, who knows if he's right or wrong, but it's interesting. Uh, you know what? It genuinely feels like I need to cut off this interview, even though I'm having lots of fun talking to you to be like, 
wait a second, guys. I think we're on to something. Right. We're going to solve this gonna, case right now. We're going to solve the case right now. Just cancel the rest of the show. But before we wrap up, I need to talk about your chat, actually, your talk that you're having about celebrity, celebrity books. And like you said, you've been around celebrities. We can say that you're somewhat of an expert of being around celebrities. And also you wrote a book with a celebrity as a ghostwriter, I believe, yeah. for Kevin Hart. Yes. And tell us about that ghostwriting in particular because to me as somebody who always thought about writing when, or even being in a book fair right now when you think about somebody writing something they want to claim ownership to it so the idea of being hidden a ghostwriter doesn't sound very appealing so does it actually feel fulfilling it, it's the best think about this mm-hmm. you can go create something you love and someone else has to deal with the consequences <laughs> Right? It's like the greatest thing. I'll sit there and they're doing the interviews and, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, okay, cool. They can deal with, with all of that. Like, it's kind of awesome because you get to just purely create mm-hmm. uh, and not suffer, you know. So it's actually, it's actually great. And for me, I think re- the real joy is creating. Think about it. Would you rather have your name on something you didn't do mm-hmm. or do something from your heart that you really love and have it out there, whoever's name is on it? I mean, if you see, like, if you're looking at um, musicians for example and the one that pops into my head for example is um megan trainer who was a writer for many many well-known songs who decided that you know what i'm gonna start singing as well and there are many many cases like that as too and it's a shift basically where ghostwriters or people who have written for big artists say that i think it's my turn to speak up and it feels the other way around happened to you where you've already spoken out and you made a place for yourself yeah and I like to do both because it's so mm-hmm. fun and it's true even behind a book or an album there's so many producers or editors that, mm-hmm. are, that help create this and one person gets their name on it so, yeah. so uh, but I love say with Kevin Hart I get to here's someone who's accomplished as an actor or a comedian just a great human being and I get to just live with him for a year like learn all his knowledge it's mm-hmm. like Imagine you could just pick anyone you want in the world and say, I'm going to live with them for a year and get to ask them everything I've ever wanted and find out everything about them. It's like they should pay me to do that. You I mean, they, what? they pay me. I should pay yeah. them to do that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You're making me reconsider my career right now. Yeah. As um, perhaps maybe ghostwriting could be yeah. a thing for me. You just get 20 minutes with everybody. Yeah. True. Exactly. I get 20 minutes. I get 30 minutes and then they're gone. And I hope that they remember me. But exactly. when everything they told me sticks around with me. And I keep repeating it in every interview and in every in my shows and whatnot. But then, like you said, living for a year with, let's say, one of my favorite artists is Beyonce. I would love to live yeah. a year with exactly, Beyonce. Exactly, right? So she said, reach out and see if she wants to do her next book. Yeah. I, I definitely will, honestly. Uh, by the way, you're great. I want to give you a compliment, which is you're a great interviewer and having had a lot of them because you're, you speak from your curiosity and from your own interests and it creates a natural conversation versus somebody reading a list of questions. And thank you so much. That's really the secret to it. Thank you so much. Honestly, I... If people are looking at us right now through the live sh- uh, the live stream, they can probably see me blush right now. That is a lovely words coming from you, Neil Strauss. And honestly, we need to stop talking right now and talk about the zodiac okay. off air. You and I just we're going to solve this next, next podcast we're doing together. Exactly. I think that is um, that's something exciting, and I look forward to it. If it's happening, maybe it is. Who knows? And that is a beautiful thing about these interviews. Like I said at the beginning. 
This is the most exciting thing about events. Lots of people might stay clear away from events that I'm talking about this as somebody who's been doing it for the past four years because it might seem like it's kind of intense and there's lots of things happening and maybe you get you know excited, lots of things happening, up and downs, lots of energies. But at the end of the day, you end up meeting the most incredible characters that you might have never heard of just like yourself, Neil. And I was so happy chatting to you and I can't wait to keep on chatting to you after this short break and we're going to continue until 7 p.m. right here at the live studio from Pulse95 at the Sharjah International Book Fair. Thanks for having me.